Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Judges by looking at more events in the life of Gideon. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Judges chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, and follow along while I read. Then the men of Ephraim said to him, What is this that you have done to us, not to call us when you went to fight against Midian? And they accused him fiercely. And he said to them, What have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the grape harvest of Abizar? God has given into your hands the princes of Midian, or Abinzeb. What have I been able to do in comparison to you? Then their anger against him subsided when he said this. And Gideon came to the Jordan and crossed over, he and the three hundred men who were with him, exhausted yet pursuing. So he said to the men of Succoth, Please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted, and I am pursuing after Zeban Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. And the officials of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeban Zalmunna already in your hand, that we should give bread to your army? So Gideon said, Well, then when the Lord has given Zeban Zalmunna into my hands, I will flail your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And from there he went up to Penuel and spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered. And he said to the men of Penuel, when I come again in peace, I will break down this tower. Now Zeba and Zalmunna were in Karkur with their army, about 15,000 men, all who were left of all the army of the people of the east, for there had fallen about 120,000 men who drew the sword. And Gideon went up by the way of the tent dwellers east of Noba and Jagbeha and attacked the army, for the army felt secure. And Zeba and Zalmunna fled, and he pursued them and captured the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna. And he threw all the army into a panic. Then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from the battle by the ascent of Herez, and he captured a young man of Succoth and questioned him. And he wrote down for him the officials and elders of Succoth, seventy-seven men. And he came to the men of Succoth and said, Behold, Zeba and Zalmunna, about whom you taunted me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna already in your hand, that we should give bread to your men who are exhausted? And he took the elders of the city, and he took thorns of the wilderness and briars, and with them taught the men of Succoth a lesson. And he broke down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. Then he said to Zeban Zalmunna, Where are the men whom you killed at Tabor? And they said, As you are, so were they. Every one of them resembled the son of a king. And he said, They were my brothers the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had saved them alive, I would not kill you. So he said to Jether, his firstborn, rise and kill them. But the young man did not draw his sword, for he was afraid, because he was still a young man. Then Zeban Zalmunna said, rise yourself and fall upon us, for as the man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose and killed Zeban Zalmunna, and he took the crescent ornaments that were on the necks of their camels. 
Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, you and your sons and your grandson also, for you have saved us from the hand of Midian. Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. As we read through the story, there are several details of it that probably get our attention. First, the discussion that he has with the men of Ephraim about how they had been dishonored by not being allowed to join in the fight. And Gideon explains to them that they had already accomplished great things. They had nothing to be ashamed of or no reason to feel dishonored. And their anger against him was subdued, we're told in the text. Then as Gideon crosses the Jordan, he and his 300 men are looking for food and they come to two different cities. And in both cities, the people there say, you haven't accomplished anything yet. Why should we pay you with food? This upsets Gideon and he threatens them. He tells them that he's coming back when he's done to punish the people of these two cities. And sure enough, he does. In the first city, he takes the leaders of that city and he beats them with thorns and briars. He goes to the other city and he tears down the tower, the place that would have been a lookout for the city. And then he kills the men of the city. Those responses may seem harsh by our standards, And I wish I had good answers for what was going on that would ease all of our curiosities. But since I don't, I want to focus on a little different aspect of this story. What I'd like to explore in this episode is that we all have gifts and abilities, and there are appropriate ways to use those. And I think there are some insights into that, into this story. Certainly, Scripture tells us in many different ways and many different places that God has given each of us special purposes and abilities. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul tells the Ephesians that God had equipped certain people to be apostles, certain people to be prophets, others to be evangelists, others shepherds and teachers. But But in each case, their calling required that they equip saints for the work of ministry. They were given gifts and abilities, purposes within the church to equip the church to do the work of the church, to do the work of Christ. Paul makes the point that if each member learns their role and fulfills that role, together they build up the body. Each person has their own responsibilities. Each person is gifted in a different way. They should use those things to help the body of Christ. We see a similar thing going on in this story in the book of Judges. God has told Gideon to fight a battle. What God did not tell Gideon to do was to bring his own food. 
But as he's on the way, he encounters people from God's family that have food that they could have shared, but they refuse to use what they have, their resources, their blessings to help the family of God's people. Some of us aren't willing to use what we have, the blessings, the resources, the gifts, the abilities to build other people up, to make sure that the church of Christ is doing what Christ would have us do. As we look at our position within our individual congregations, or maybe we're actively looking for a church to call our church family now, we need to look for places where we can use our resources to be helpful. Can you imagine if we approach Jesus on Judgment Day and he ends up having a very similar conversation with us that Gideon has with the leaders of those two cities that withheld what they had and didn't build up God's people with them? Because as we can see in this story, not sharing our gifts can have devastating effects. Personally, it can be devastating to the community. Just think about Gideon and his soldiers as they were turned away not once but twice from receiving food and nourishment that would help them be more effective in the work that God had given them to do. It had to affect morale. It had to affect their impressions of their brothers and sisters from the other cities around them. It had a devastating effect on their community. Not only that, For whatever reason, Gideon feels the need to take some kind of revenge, and it is tragic what happens in those communities as a result of them not being willing to give of their resources, to give of their blessings, to share what they had. But it can also have a devastating effect on us as individuals. Certainly in this story, the individuals who were responsible suffered a drastic fate, but in our lives... If we're not fulfilling the purposes that God's given us, if we're not using the blessings he's bestowed upon us to make sure those purposes come about, we're told by Jesus himself that there is a judgment to come and that we may miss out on the very thing that we put our hope in because we refuse to follow the instructions of Jesus. In our church communities, there are churches that close their doors on a regular basis. There are churches that struggle to get by. And most often it's because the members of those church congregations, those church families, have neglected to use their gifts and abilities to build that body up so that it can effectively do the work of Christ in their communities. That, in turn, has a devastating effect on those who may miss the opportunity to hear the good news that may cause some on the margins of society to struggle just a little longer because we refuse to share what we have with the least of these. This story certainly shows us some things about using our gifts and our abilities to build up God's people and to help them be successful and effective. But I think there's also a lesson here for us about acceptance. The people of Succoth and the people of Penuel would not accept Gideon when he first came through because he had not accomplished anything. His performance was not up to their standards, so they felt he didn't deserve anything. Then the same way, after he had defeated them, people came from all over saying, hey, you be our king. You let your sons and your grandsons rule over us for generations. I think we see in this something that we see almost every day in our own lives. 
that people's acceptance of us is often based on our performance. People have a tendency to admire people with special gifts. We can be guilty of that ourselves by lifting up people who do things that amaze us because we're not capable of doing it. People may have an admiration for us because we're capable of doing something they think they can't. But it's not always based on what we're doing for God. It's very often just based on our own feelings and impressions of what they are doing and what they are capable of accomplishing. But we need to remember that when we're using our gifts and when we're admiring the gifts that God have given to others, we must remember that it is God that is doing the work. We lose sight of that sometimes and we uh, almost hero worship. But in this story, Gideon reminds the people who come to him, I will not rule over you and my sons will not rule over you. God is the one that rules over you. No matter what you saw going on in these different cities and with these different armies, and no matter how successful I appeared, I'm nothing without God. It is God that is ruling over us. People often accept us based on our performance. We're tempted to try to perform to their standards so they'll accept us and we can receive some kind of feeling that we're chasing. But the person we need to please, the person whose acceptance that we should desire more than any others is God himself. And God's acceptance is not based on our performance. It's based on our willingness As we've looked at the story of Gideon, it wasn't that he was a great warrior when God came to him. It was that he was willing to do what God wanted, and God made him a great warrior. He understood this, at least early on. He shared this with the people of Israel. God is the one who is at work. God is the one who made me who I am. We should honor God. We should follow God. We should let him be the king of our lives. I get a little distressed sometimes when I see Christians and the way they interact in our political system. They almost worship political leaders as heroes and forget that it is God who is at work doing things. And they will accept the actions and behaviors of their favorite political hero because they're getting what they want. What God calls us to is, regardless of what's going on in the world, Be willing to follow him. He will lift us up. He will give us success. And he will bless us. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.